up, everyone? I'm Katherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. For this episode, we have Richard Crook from Lab 577 on, and he talks about a ton of stuff that they're doing in the digital asset space. Um, we talk a bit about Corticon, which is next week. It is so crazy that it's almost here. Um, we've been doing a lot to prepare for the conference. There's going to be um, so much going on. We have uh, Dev Day and Biz Day. A lot of people are actually signed up for both days, um, which is pretty cool, but you don't have to. Um, registration is going to close soon, so I really, really recommend if you want to go or if you've been pushing it off, um, you should just go. Just sign up and kind of see the Arthur ecosystem there. It's such an amazing um, feeling in each year, uh, and I talk about this with Richard for, for a bit on the podcast, but each year it keeps on getting bigger and bigger, and there's so much excitement around the technology, and it's really transformed within uh, a few years into this amazing, amazing conference. And of course, I say that because I've been working on it, and I'm going to be working there. <laughs> I promise it'll be amazing. So sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, download the app. I've been working on the app for a few months and it's such an amazing tool. I talk about all of the capabilities. Well, not all of them because there are so many. Um, I talk about a bunch of that uh, towards the end of the episode. So be sure to download the app. Just search for Corticon in your app store um, and download it and let me know what you think. Um, but anyways, I'll be at Corticon. So um, if you'd like to meet, you will see just the crazy American blonde girl running around like a chicken with my head cut off because there will be so much going on. Um, so I'm very excited for it. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Richard is an amazing guest. I actually this morning told him that I was exhausted because I was working late last night and um, he was like, okay, Catherine, let's just do it. And I'm so grateful to him for that. So it's an amazing episode. I hope you enjoy it. In the London studio with Richard Crook. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you. It's uh, great also, to be on the show. Well, I need to also thank you for uh, not picking alcohol to drink this morning. Yes. Uh, the, the option of uh, drinking alcohol uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, or, or tea, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm quite English about this. It's going to be tea. I'm so happy to hear it. <laughs> so grateful to you. So I... Uh, I've been very vocal this morning about how exhausted I am, and I think that would really throw me over over the edge. So I appreciate you. We've I'm got Corticon coming, so uh, let's let's store it all up for that. Oh yes, Corticon will be very fun. It's next week. You'll be in attendance. I will um, absolutely. Have you been? So you've been? Have you been to all of the Corticons? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like you're like an OG. Absolutely. We've, uh, we're, I mean, we're really looking forward to being at Corticon. Uh, we'd recommend it to anyone um, in the Corticon community to make the effort to, to, to attend. Um is evolving fast and will only accelerate. Um, yeah. Corticon is a great opportunity to hear what adventures others have been on and what achievements they've made. Uh, on our side, uh, Lab 577 will be there. Come start a conversation with us. Uh, you'll see the adorable fuzz on stage with something very exciting for the developers. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not allowed to... Not adorable? Allowed to, yeah, not allowed to say. Um, and for the business folk, Bar Simpson uh, is cooking up um, uh, something on the Cordite side, um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, I'm sure he's got a blog coming. 
Great. Yes, it's next week so soon. If anyone who's listening hasn't uh, registered yet, do do so before uh, it's too late because it's going to be amazing. And we're going to record we're going to record the sessions and stuff, but it's way better to be there. Way better. <laughs> yeah, you're an OG. You've been, I feel like, I mean, Corticon has been like a journey, right? Like it kind of transformed into this conference before when we just had the members conference and then the developer conference um, side by side. It's kind of transformed a lot. It has. If you if you use it as a, uh, a recognition of a milestone each year, yeah. it gives you an opportunity to, to look back at what we've achieved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's now becoming a multi-year, uh, multi-year story. And, and Richard Gennabrand was on Corticon beginning of Dev Day last year um, was being in that reflective mode uh, as yeah. he looked back over over near half a decade that he's been at this. Um, yeah. And then um, it's also an opportunity to, to, to see the exciting things uh, people are looking forward to uh, as they start uh, talking about their visions and, and uh, making promises for, for the next year. Um, no, totally. I find it like they are. It's like milestones each year kind of seeing how, how much bigger it is, how many more people. Because before, for a little while, it was a lot of just our three people on stage. Um, and of course, we still have our three people, especially on Dev Day, actually, because it's a lot of developers talking about um, building apps and stuff on Corda. Um, but yeah, just looking back every year, it's such a big step, I feel like. And this year, we're like shooting for 2,000 registration. Like, it's crazy, and we're almost there. Absolutely. So it's going to be a, a bigger than ever. It's going to be amazing. Okay, so. Um, just to kind of, I guess we have to get into like work stuff. Um, so you were the head of emerging technology at Royal Bank of Scotland. Um, you sat on the R3 distri- distributed ledger group. I haven't said that in a while. No. Yeah. DLG is what most of us call it. It's so funny because like a lot of some of the um, our old like Wi-Fi stuff is like R3 DLG and it's just so funny. Yeah, it takes you back. Yeah, it does. Um, this is going to be a very reflective episode. I can already feel it. Um, okay, so. Um, you sat on the R3 DLG supporting R3 to our 107 million Series A. Um, Richard has a 20-year career in investment banking technology, specializing in the building of financial ledgers for the largest financial service institutions. Um, last year, he and his team exited RBS to found Lab 577. Question, who came up with the name? Uh, well, that's kind of lost in the midst of time. We get asked it a lot. Really, um, you do? And, and um, uh, specifically the uh, the number. And yeah. the answer is, is that um, there is some uh, reason behind that, but we've uh, we've left that one drift and oh, keep yeah, it as, yeah. a, as a nice little mystery. Oh, uh, I kind of like that. <laughs> so mysterious. <laughs> okay, Live, Lab Five Seven Seven is a software company co-creating applications using emerging technology for clients in the financial services industry. So, what is the most exciting new development in the blockchain space for you? Uh, well, I think the, the the artificial split we made between Bitcoin and blockchain back in kind of half a decade now, 2015, mm-hmm. 2014, 2015, where we wanted to talk about the blockchain technology because we could see that as being useful to the financial services industry, but we didn't want to talk about this this experiment known as Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, we did a very good job of that separation, and, and for five years we've been focusing on the kind of cost efficiency plays, and you've seen that evolve into the Voltrons, the Trade IXs, um, the HQLX, uh, HQLAX um, projects. Those 
um, are now fully fledged uh, companies, ventures, and and we're really pleased to see uh, those uh, those taking off. Mm-hmm. We always knew that we would be back to the cryptocurrency and the currency uh, conversation. Uh, yeah. We always knew there was something in there, and the Bitcoin bubble of 2017. But more importantly, the $20 billion raise of ICOs mm-hmm. uh, showed us that in Ethereum you had killer features of accounts and tokens. And that led back in, in 2017 to my team and I joining the Cordite project mm-hmm. uh, and porting accounts and token functionality from Ethereum into Corda. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that Cordite project is a trusted, independent, open source project. It's mm-hmm. proving ground for disruptively, disruptive or usually controversial features that broaden mm-hmm. the, the quarter appeal across the blockchain ecosystem. So not just across the quarter uh, community, but the yeah. blockchain ecosystem. And as Todd McDonald, Todd McDonald is fond of saying, uh, quarter is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> It's, uh, and those features that get traction that we built into Cordite um, end up um, coming over into the Corda core. Um, yeah. And that's a, an ongoing relationship that we're very comfortable with, the hollowing out of Cordite. We've seen token SDK. We've now seen the accounts SDK. We've seen billing. Um, mm-hmm. There were many things that, are, uh, that were born out of Cordite, uh, yeah. usually controversially. People <laughs> didn't like the idea. Uh, and then as it took, uh, took off, um, as, as uh, Todd keeps saying, it's the gift that keeps giving. Yeah, seriously, that's also makes um obviously our relationship with you guys pretty unique too um but so you've worked on all the leading blockchain technologies why do you keep coming back to corda um, dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, uh, people ask this all the time. <laughs> what on earth are you are you using Corda? You know? Yeah, screw uh, Corda. <laughs> why? Um, and when I, my team and I were working for our former employer um, on a distributed clearinghouse for the Irish banks, mm-hmm. um, we built a prototype in both Ripple and Ethereum, um, the leading technologies of, of that day. Mm-hmm. Um, only discover that privacy uh, was a requirement that neither could could that neither of those technologies could easily solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, both technologies provide tremendous transparency by sharing everything at the cost of privacy. Yeah. Um, to solve the privacy requirement, we'd have to learn to unshare, which any child in the playground will tell you is uh, is, is much more difficult than sharing. Um, mm-hmm. JP Morgan, so so kind of my opposite number over in, in JP Morgan Amber, um, decided to do just that with Quorum. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a really good intellectual and engineering challenge to try yeah. and unshare what you've just shared um, <laughs> or, or at least try and work on a, a, a shared everything architecture. Um, mm-hmm. But what we did instead was was actually uh, pour those requirements into what was the nascent quarter open source project led by Richard Brown and, and, and Mike Hearn. And once we'd got those requirements for the privacy and scalability into quarter, they became the kind of cornerstones of peer-to-peer uh, yeah. that we now see. So Corda is a shared nothing architecture, which means you get to choose when you share. Yeah. Uh, but for the most of the time, we find that most commercial requirements want privacy. Yeah, definitely. And also, you're in the office here, which um, I've talked to a bunch of EARs. Are you technically an you're an EIR, right? Oh, uh, technically, yeah, EIR. Yeah, te- you're technically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so entrepreneur in residence. Um, so it's got to be a benefit also you actually, like, boots on the ground here at the office too, right? Because then you can also just get, like, quick answers to things. I find that to be a big benefit. Being a partner of, of R3 uh, comes with a tremendous amount of benefit. Um, yeah. Being an uh, EIR inside the, the R3 office, uh, either in New York or in London, uh, comes with even greater things. You've got the engineering term in yeah. hand, there, and that's a two-way conversation. Uh, we've also got the, the partner uh, relationship managers who, who do a phenomenal 
job. And obviously the sales teams who, who continue to, to bolster their, their partners and, and, and help when, when they need us. Um, mm-hmm. We've also sat with a number of the uh, EIRs who are growing. Um, and as they grow, yeah. um, they've discovered... Um, the, actually, um, things like Labs I've said, let, people like Labs I've Seven, people like ourselves, mm-hmm. actually can offer assistance to them. So we've got a number, a large number of our three partners who are building core apps, and they're keen to use uh, digital asset shared ledger, which yeah. is in the Lab Five Seven Seven is building. They find that using Dazzle would accelerate their build timelines on Corda, yeah. um, and allows their engineering to focus further up the stack on, mm-hmm. on the higher order pieces. Um, Quarter is evolving fast. Um, you look at the ramp up on the R3, uh, especially on the tech side, it's only going to accelerate that quarter um, yeah. code base. And Dazzle is a, a stable quarter uh, that partners can build on top of, mm-hmm. and they support and maintain by the, the Lab 577 team. And it Dazzle can either be seen as a library which you import. Mm-hmm. One of the joys of Corda is you can import it as a Java as mm-hmm. jar into your Corda app, or as just a standalone uh, component within your architecture, providing uh, the the cache management or, or other aspects you want. So those right. the partners start to really uh, start to realise that they can work with each other uh, to accelerate uh, yeah. off, uh, off the uh, from zero to one or one to ten. Yeah, so that's very interesting because um, I'm of course I'm just like oh don't you like working with R three? <laughs> but actually the partners. Were working together and um, that's a big benefit that I haven't even really thought of and you guys are in a unique position I feel because not every partner can can do that and has the ability to. We've got a fair amount of experience um, from the Cordite project um, and, of course, our uh, large, number of t- large number of years inside the investment bank. So we've got a lot of industry, industry best practice uh, from operating that Cordite network for nearly 18 months now. Uh, and we provide node hosting, uh, application lifecycle management, so continuous integration, continuous deployment for clients because mm-hmm. uh, we have to do it for ourselves. Uh, and yeah. therefore, we're very happy uh, um, helping our clients to do that. Yeah, it's very cool. Also, not to really harp on on you being in the office, but then you can come up to my desk and say, "Hey, Catherine, you've not answered any of my emails." Yeah, can you there's always please, something for being face to face. Yeah, can you please respond? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so you talked a little bit about Dazzle. Um, what else are you working on, or can you kind of dive more into into that? So we're working uh, with a number of clients to bring them onto the the public. Core network. I think that's uh, probably one of the, the the exciting pieces of, of this year is, oh, totally. is the public quarter network. Um, their clients that are regulated, they're working on primary issuance uh, or secondary trading. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're in the capital markets space, and, and they're trying to use digital assets and, and the great work that we've seen out of out of R three uh, to to bring quarter up to speed on digital assets over the last year is now uh, making it a lot easier for for us to to bring to market digital yeah. asset shared ledger. Um, we we're bringing those clients onto that public quarter network using the digital asset shared ledger that the Lab 577 has built. Um, mm-hmm. The digital asset shared ledger, or Dazzle, um, uh, gives those institutions the ability to reimagine uh, exchanges of value and, and stores of value. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're learning from the experiments over in the crypto space. Uh, as Todd put it, we're, we've created enterprise tokens. Yeah. And we're now seeing new markets for previously illiquid assets. Um, things like private placements um, mm-hmm. uh, are obviously going to be difficult and have illiquid assets. And there's risks and costs around uh, issuing those. And that's where Digital Asset Shared Ledger builds on top of Cordite. 
yeah. settler, tokens SDK to provide a deployable finance grade, enterprise ready, and more importantly, regulatory friendly solution to safely handle digital assets. Oh my gosh, the re- <laughs> the regulatory space is so interesting to me. So for some for some unknown reason, uh, Simon Taylor had me on Blockchain Insider <laughs> last week, and we talked a lot about Libra, um, which has like everyone in a tizzy. I feel like everyone's talking about Libra. Do you have any opinions on Libra, by the way? Uh, so I've, I've been uh, I've been on stage and, and on uh, Blockchain Insider with uh, with Libra on a number of times. It comes up yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I have a much broader and longer view uh, in this space. Um, I remember one of Facebook's mantras is to move fast and, and break things. Um, <laughs> yes. They've definitely yeah. done that um, totally. with, with Libra. Um, if you are um, in a position where you are up against uh, Telegram or um, uh, the uh, WeChats of the world, where mm-hmm. payments are being done inside that uh, messaging app yeah. uh, today, then from Facebook's perspective, they need to meet and beat that competitor. Yeah. So currently, if you're inside Messenger or WhatsApp, you're not making payments. You're dropping yeah. out of that customer experience. So from a purely commercial perspective, it's no surprise that Facebook wants to drop into the into the payment space. Yeah. Um, the ability to create a currency is easy. Uh, you can create a private currency. Um, anyone can do that. Getting others to use it is more difficult. As yeah, Fa- but it's Facebook. As Facebook have just discovered, even <laughs> Facebook, um, when they created their own currency, then discovered that the regulators have something to say about that. Uh, and, yeah. and we're now seeing that pushback from the regulators. This is not the first time that the Facebook uh, have come in over the bridge into the regulatory fiefdom or the regulatory uh, within the regulatory perimeter. Um, yeah. They tend to retreat. Uh, and what we're now seeing is that retreat out of that, uh, as they've discovered that uh, making payments is a regulatory or, or, or a, uh, within the regulatory perimeter. And therefore, uh, you're seeing them retreat out of that space uh, mm-hmm. and let let that be uh, done by the, uh, the regulatory, uh, regulatory bodies. Yeah, I just find it also interesting. Um, I feel like the regulators are kind of now, it's like a wake-up call. Because um, I, I do feel that there was pushback and there has been pushback with digital assets for a little bit because I, I just think for quite some time, um, regulators weren't really educated on digital assets and like just think Bitcoin is just uh, uh, like we're pushing back. Like Bitcoin can't take over the world. But like Facebook... That's fine. And the, the 08 crash um, did a really good job of showing us that uh, our central bankers knew a lot about the system uh, yeah. than we ever thought they did. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, anybody that underestimates our regulators and our, our central bankers uh, does so at their own risk, Facebook being now a clear example. Yeah, totally. Um, you're um, looking at uh, a couple of things that have gone on here. Since 2015, the central banks have uh, understood and known what digital central bank digital uh, digital currency looks like and mm-hmm. they have written a number of papers on it the Bank of England is, is probably got one of the best working papers on that uh, which is now uh, a long uh, a long ago mm-hmm. um, way before we uh, invented stable coins uh, they were publishing papers on that yeah so from a central bank perspective um, you would expect them to be slow moving uh, they don't move fast and break things uh, yeah. they are the absolute opposite of that <laughs> um, so we've been on stage before talking about uh, central banks back in 2015 issuing digital currencies. So we have been talking about this for an awfully long time. The key thing that has changed is the uh, explosion of popularity in the cryptocurrencies back in the 2017 bubble. Mm -hmm. 
you watch the G20 come together, build a task force mm -hmm. to stamp out uh, anti-money laundering and uh, counter-terrorism funding or, or, or counter, uh, ensure that the AML and the CFT risks didn't get out of hand. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people using uh, the cryptocurrencies to do uh, to avoid capital controls, and a lot of the time the AML and CFT were being avoided uh, or ignored. Mm -hmm. That is not acceptable, and anybody working inside the financial industry knows that. Yeah. So if you look at the uh, emergence of the public quarter network, mm -hmm. what's worth recognising is we now have a publicly available internet of quarter nodes that mitigate the AML and CFT risk. Mm -hmm. So that disallows anonymity. So if you were working in Ethereum or Bitcoin, you're very used to being anonymous. Yeah. And that then comes with risk, which the regulators are not prepared to accept. Mm -hmm. So as people are starting to take a license from their uh, regulators and come into the regulatory space, mm -hmm. they're discovering that actually they can't meet their AML and CFT requirements in Ethereum and in Bitcoin and in Ripple. Yeah. And what they've discovered is actually from day zero, Corda had a AML and CFT requirement, mm -hmm. and thus the public Corda network that we're now using solves much of that KYC challenge yeah. out of the bat. Now, for the people listening, that's it's relatively simple. When you bring a Corda node onto the network, it is a legal entity, yeah. and that legal entity has to be uh, identifiable, mm -hmm. and the foundation checks that that node, and therefore that legal entity, mm -hmm. is not only a real legal entity, not some sort of spoof, but also, is it on some sort of blacklist? And they do have the blacklist and they check it. So yeah. the very fundamentals of, of what we built over the last 50 years of making sure AML and, and terrorism funding is, is, is mitigated, the risks around that are mitigated, yeah. are built in at the protocol level of Corda. And that, for us, uh, solves one of the largest challenges in the industry. So a lot of people have been talking about, oh, blockchain will solve my KYC challenge. And what they really meant by that was they're going to photocopy people's passports and move them around. And that's not how we've solved the KYC challenge in the industry. Yeah. What we've built is a public network where everyone is identifiable and everyone uh, on that network has solved the KYC problem by being identified. Damn, you are a great court of champion. <laughs> We've been advocating this for a while. We know what the requirements are. The requirements have never changed. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people out there who've, who've attempted to duck dive weave the, the, the regulations. Uh -huh. They made a lot of money out of it. Some of them have got away with it. Yeah. Actually, we knew the rule book wouldn't change. It may yeah. evolve over time, but it's never going to change. So the tech has to meet the rules, not the yeah. rules meeting the tech. And that's the big swing that we're seeing as we see the convergence between crypto and the crypto domain and the enterprise blockchain space coming together, it's a recognition from the crypto side that the rules aren't changing. Our tech has to move to the rules, not the rules to the tech. Yeah, that's very, very interesting perspective. I think uh, your story and kind of how you have been involved um, in the R3 ecosystem for quite some time and then leaving RBS for Lab 577 is very uh, interesting to me. How did you first kind of, one, learn about the technology, obviously, because there's, since it is so new, they, I feel like people have stories of how they got involved. But, um, and also, two, when did you realize, like, you needed to get involved? So we, um, uh, my team and I, um, were working at Royal Bank of Scotland. Uh, we went and did a Deloitte hackathon um, some, somewhere up in the north of the city. Uh, mm -hmm. We took a weekend out, and uh, we backed the FX wholesale trading desk of RBS into the Ripple network uh, and made 
RBS, effectively a market maker on the mm -hmm. Ripple network um, over the weekend. So that was just a, a hackathon. We won the hackathon, uh, which gave us gave us a little bit of uh, 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 which gave us a little bit of fame. Um, <laughs> and off the back of that, we were uh, immediately pulled out of the uh, the old investment bank uh, of, of RBS and, and dropped into the innovation wing uh, of, of the bank, where we were asked to then lead on uh, the blockchain uh, technology and, and, and our strategy inside Royal Bank of Scotland. So that's where it started. That was back end of 2014. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, we're back into 2014. We, yeah. we did that hackathon. Um, we did what everybody else did. We did proof of concepts on Ripple mm -hmm. to prove out whether it would work on payments. Um, and then we started to, as I say, bring the, uh, the five Irish banks together to build a distributed clearinghouse. And mm -hmm. that's when we discovered that the techs we had weren't going to cut it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started to get involved in the, in the quarter project. I think we knew it would take time. Yeah. I do remember uh, talking to David Rudder uh, on this one and saying, "Yeah, you're going to give Richard Gennel Brown runway here. You're not going to you're not going to uh, make revenue for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to give them chance to to get this this technology to a point where we can use it." So yeah. we disappeared off and did other things. We worked in AI. Uh, we built a, an AI bot for, uh, for for RBS at that time um, wow. and put that on the on the website. We played with quantum uh, and when we looked at uh, quantum, quantum's a bit far off. Yeah. AI's now gone a bit commodity yeah. and we waited. Uh, and then back in 2017, when the, the crypto bubble came through, we took one look at it and said, now's the time. Quarter yeah. is ready. We're on version three uh, mm -hmm. and we think we can build something on top of that. Uh, and secondly, um, the crypto bubble clearly means that something is new uh, around the digital asset space. And that's when we started to join West, when we joined the Cordite project and yeah. started porting accounts uh, and tokens across into Corda because we could see what uh, was about to occur. Yeah, I think you, you hit on many good points there. But um, also, I feel that there are conversations um, just about the technology and people wanting it to like the hype around the technology. There's two sides to it, but um, people are getting antsy and it's kind of like this takes time. Like we need to be able to implement it in all of our systems and everything. And I find uh, I think that there's just a lot of like buzz about blockchain not living up to the hype or something but like it's so early days absolutely uh, no technology lives up to its hype uh, that's no. why Gartner use their, their hype curve uh, and we talk about <laughs> the, 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 the hype of expectation where, where in actual fact we've, we've clearly seen that and the, and the Bitcoin yeah. price uh, is probably a good index or, or proxy for that um, we're now definitely in the trough of disillusionment yeah. there's a lot of people with heads down building projects not pushing out um, yeah. press releases that promise the world yeah. Um, the technology is now um, maturing to a point where you can go live, um, and, and that's what takes time. Um, yeah. People get scared of going live on new emerging technologies, and we're now seeing uh, people break cover, Vanguard uh, using this te these technologies, and in that respect, we're now on uh, that uh, nice up uplift into uh, actually seeing the, the benefits of those investments we made uh, nearly five years ago. Definitely. It's so funny how, like, <laughs> when people say 2014, they got involved, I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. It's not that long, though. It's not that long ago. And, and the, the, the love, what I love about this, this space is, is you have these two domains. Um, mm -hmm. You have the crypto domain, mm -hmm. which absolutely... Um, uh, embodies the, the kind of Facebook principle of move quickly and break things. And mm -hmm. they are 
uh, moving and accelerating at an incredible pace. Yeah. Um, so we always talk about last year being ancient history uh, in, yeah. in the crypto space and 2014 um, totally. is kind of prehistoric um, in, in that space where we have seen uh, incredible changes over on that on that side. Mm-hmm. In the finance domain, um, absolutely, much like their central bankers, they do not embody and they're certainly the, the absolute inverse of move quickly uh, and break things. Totally. Um, their clients trust them yeah. not to lose their money and they trust them not to break things. And to do that, you tend to find yourself moving slowly. Yeah. Um, where Corda and uh, R3 find themselves, um, certainly Lab 577, uh, is in the nexus between those two. Uh, where we are now uh, bringing that crypto energy and speed into the financial domain. So yeah, what we've watched over the last 12, 18 months is a lot of the actors and a lot of the participants in that crypto space who are used to moving fast have now taken regulatory licenses and are mm. now accelerating into that. So when you look at Libra, what you're actually seeing is an actor, David Marcus, and you're seeing a partner, which is uh, the Libra project, mm-hmm. coming into the regulatory space and moving fast. Yeah. Now, that is what I would call fintech. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, a really exciting part of uh, being in this space at this time. So in fintech, from our perspective, is when you are upending or disrupting right at the market infrastructure level. Yeah. Yeah, you hit on a lot of good points, especially with the dichotomy of like moving fast and then moving too slow and a balance. Um, Not to just completely harp on Libra, but (laughs) what are your thoughts on? I just find it interesting. I actually thought for a little while with all the Libra news, I was like, oh, Facebook, they just want to get involved in everything, like enough. And then I started reading more and learning more, and I just find it now fascinating. Um, But what are your thoughts on the... uh, big companies leaving the project, like Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, um, Stripe. These two worlds are converging, Mm -hmm. the crypto side and the fiat side, uh, the the old financial banking system. Um, At this time, people find themselves having to pick a side. Uh, And and therefore, if you're part of an exciting new digital currency project, Mm -hmm. um, but then your regulator brings you up and asks you what you're doing, Mm -hmm. one of the easiest answers is to uh, avoid and and push back on that. So the the exit of these uh, partners is no surprise. They're highly regulated they're highly regulated financial institutions and to a greater extent they're quite conservative. Yeah. Um, so to be part of something exciting on one side is exactly what they want to do. They know they've got to change their business model and they don't want to be the Kodak uh, or the HMV yeah. uh, of uh, their generation uh, and those payment institutions know that that is coming. Mm-hmm. They're spending an awful lot of money on R&D which is why they signed up. Yeah. Um, but at the same time they have to stay within the flock yeah. And financial institutions act, or banks act, like a, a flock of sheep. No one yeah. wants to be first. No one wants to be last. Yeah. But you've let the genie out of the bottle with, with Libra. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, what we've started uh, will, will undoubtedly carry on. Yeah. That's a very uh, interesting take. I think it's there's something to be said about the banks and the companies that are taking risks because I can't, I can understand why you'd want to be the first to be involved because it's new, it's innovative, whatever. Um, But I also understand kind of letting the technology kind of play its course and seeing what happens. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. (laughs) 
anyways, well, I will see you at Corticon. Catherine, we will see you at Corticon. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. I'm going to be running around like an insane person. So, uh, yeah, if you see me and I look crazy, just ignore it. <laughs> I will be I will be in the crowd and I will be uh, uh, out on the floor. Um, <laughs> anybody who wants to start a conversation with us uh, uh, at Lab 577, uh, more than welcome to. You can drop us an email, start at lab577.io. Great. Um, more than happy to meet you. Um, it would be great to, uh, to catch up with anybody who's interested in digital assets or, or trying to get onto the public quarter network. Totally. Richard Crook, everybody. Oh, also, we have an app for Corticon. Do you know that? I do. Okay, do you have it downloaded? It's no, okay I if you don't. don't yet. But I'm just saying because this is like my baby yeah. because I've been working on this app for months. Do you know what? I was about to just lie and yeah. say, yes, of course, Catherine, <laughs> I've got it. But I'm pretty sure most of the listeners on this are thinking, I don't have it. <laughs> Maybe I should. No, no. And the answer is, we should have it. And by the time we get to Wednesday, we all have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as long as you download it, and I'm for a few reasons, but as long as you download it, before, like right before, or even the day of. I don't care. I'm not picky. I'm just saying. After is probably not worthy. Not, well, yeah, don't do that. But, um, but if you do download the app, first you just search app stores for Corticon. Um, and then the password, that password. So I, I should I say this on it? Yeah, whatever. That password is Corticon 2019. So like, but that's how you access. Um, That'll be the same as the hashtag then. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Everything's the same. Let's <laughs> be really clear. It's going to be easy for everyone to follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah please. Um, but benefits to the app, and now I'm just like tooting my own horn, but you can have, like you have the agenda in there, the floor plan, if you get lost. Um, you can message other attendees. So that actually would be good if you are meeting people um, on the spot you can give them your card or whatever or you can just message them in the app you can make appointments with people in the app what else can you do social wall so you can see the so hashtag so I'll tell you what I'll do I'll download the app and <laughs> if anybody of your listeners want to get in contact with us and have a meeting message, message us through the app oh perfect yes now, well now you have to download it literally right now <laughs> because what if people start messaging you and you can't even see it but anyways yes yeah, so that's my my little plug for the app because well done I know, and it's really cute. <laughs> oh, that's, Great that's, design. Let, let the people decide. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, thank you for coming in today. Great to see you. Woo! Because I was so long-winded in the intro, I will keep this short and sweet, I promise, and I won't continue to mention Corticon, but if you haven't signed up, uh, be sure to do so. Um... Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. Uh, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you get the podcast right as I publish it. Um, you can opt into our podcast mailing list. So whenever I put out an episode, I'll also uh, email you with information. Um, and share on social media. Live life in the fast chain, my friends. Um, I hope everyone's having an amazing week at work. And oh, I said it would be short. Okay. Um, okay. Yes. 